So last week I began a brand new series called Former Things. And based off the passage in Isaiah chapter 43, I'm going to read it to you. He said, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Well, we talked about last week how Jesus is the way, amen? He is the way. He is the only way through our wilderness, through our desert, through our times that really hold on to us from our past. Those are the former things, the things of old. These are the things that God is telling us to forget. And it's hard. Our past tends to rear its ugly head as we move forward in life, right? And what, what is it about our past that we can't seem to forget? It's our sin, the things that we have done, the things that we're like, oh man, we've done such, such horrible things in our past. And our past really is the day before we met Jesus. That is our past that God is referring to here. That is what I'm referring to here as well. Our sinful past, the things that we have done, we can't tend to forget that because they were so big, they were so bad. But yet, like I said last week, what happened? Jesus has forgiven us of our past, amen? He's forgiven us of our sin. His blood is over it. And when he bled out on the cross for us, our sins are taken care of. When we repented of our sin, we turned away from it and we turned to Jesus. What we said is, I am going to forget about our past because he has covered it. And that is why we need to get over our past when it comes to our sin. But it's hard to do that. It is in some cases. The other thing that we're dealing with in our past is the sin that people have committed against us. And that's really what I want to talk about today. The things that people have done to us that have wronged us, that has created trauma in our life to the point where we can't forget it. We can't forget that. And I think what happens is as we're trying to follow Jesus, if we're in Christ, if we've received him as our Lord and Savior, and we're trying to follow him, and we're trying to commit our life to him, because Let's just face it, our life as we're following Jesus is a series of commitments, right? Like I'm committing my time to spend with him. I'm committing my time to pray with him. I'm continuing, committing, committing my time to spend time in his word. I'm committing my time to serve in the church. I'm committing my time to follow after him. And as I do that, as I'm making commitments, well, guess who else is watching? The devil. The enemy is also nipping at our heels, and so when we're tar- starting to try to really commit our life to him and follow him, what happens is he brings the former things to our memory. And it's like a nuclear weapon being dropped into our soul. And we tend to focus on those things that we've done in the past, and we're focusing on the trauma of the sins that have been committed against us that it, it stonewalls us. It keeps us from moving forward. And what God is saying today is forget about those things because I've done a new thing in you, Right? The old man has fallen away. New creation is now here. So start being that new creation. And it's hard to do that because we're holding on to the past. So as I said last week, Paul, who is the chief of all sinners, the one who persecuted Christians, the one who blasphemed God, the one who made sure that he was going to destroy the way, He said, I am the chief of all sinners, but see, I don't think about those things. I am now focusing on the here and now and the future that God has for me. So he had a healthy acknowledgement of his past. We're not going to forget about the sins that we've committed. 
those things are still going to be kind of there. And, and believe me, there's some things that I've done in my past that I have not forgotten. But what happens is I healthily acknowledge that by saying, you know what? Jesus saved me. So those things are no longer held against me. So I'm able to move forward in the things that God has called me to do. I know my purpose is to love God and to love people, but he has also called me to pastor this church. And so I'm able to do that with a clear conscience because I know that since I have turned away from my sin and have turned to Jesus, those things no longer afflict me. Those things no longer have a hold on me anymore. And so I have a healthy acknowledgement of that just like Paul did. And that was the takeaway from last week is that we are to healthily acknowledge the fact that, yep, I have a past. Yep, devil, you're right. I have committed these sins, X, Y, and Z, but Jesus' blood is over it. Therefore, I'm over it. So you can go take a back seat right now. Amen? So this week, I really want to focus on the sins that have been committed against us by other people. So with that, I want to pray. So Father, I just want to thank you for everybody that's here this morning. I just want to thank you that you have given me this word. I believe that it's going to free a lot of people in here tonight, this morning, sorry, and those that are watching online. Father, I just want to thank you that as I open my, my, my mouth today, that you give me the words to speak. And those words are from you. And I just pray that over, over this situation in Jesus' name. Amen. So, movies. How many of us love revenge movies? Come on, be honest. Everyone loves a good revenge flick. And some of my favorites, you know, are, I, I don't want to say too many because you guys might be thinking, really, you watch those kind of movies? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so I love a good Steven Seagal movie. Okay? I love... A good Chuck Norris movie. Some of my favorite Chuck Norris movies were Missing in Action. I absolutely love those movies. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had some good revenge flicks. Uh, more, more recently, my favorite film, and I've said this before, is Gladiator. That's a tremendous film, and it's a great revenge movie. And see, some of these things should really worry us, right? When our flesh is like, that felt good to see that revenge had on that person. And that, that really is the nature of our flesh. Man, our flesh loves that kind of stuff. And so when something happens to us, our default mode is, I want revenge. I want that person to pay. And believe me, there have been some things that have happened to all of us, I think, that are somewhat minor. But then also, there's some, been some big things that people have done to us. And it would make us feel so much better if justice was had, Right? If that person got that recompense or if revenge was had on that person and they were able to feel like I felt when those things happened to me. And we love it when it does, when we hear about those people getting what they deserve. We absolutely love that. And that's a sad state to be in as believers. But it's, it's the ability to recognize that our flesh feels that way. And then what are we going to do about it, Right? What are we going to do about it? So I'm not dismissing the trauma that has happened in your life, what affects you today because of what happened to you in the past. And for some of us, it could, it could be recent. It could be a couple weeks ago. It could be years ago that these things have happened to us. I am not dismissing the effect that it's had on any of us. But what I'm saying is, in order to be someone who's following Jesus, to love God and to love people, we have got to let those things go. And we cannot hold on to grudges 
And we certainly cannot want revenge to happen on that person that has committed that sin to us. Because what I've realized in my life, and I know I'm still kind of wet behind the ears. I mean, I turn 50 next year, so I guess I'm not that young. I still consider my, yeah, thank you. I still consider myself young. But what I've learned is sin is sin. Because I sin still, people around me are also sinning as well. So I know I'm going to hurt people, sometimes unknowingly and, and not from the heart, but sometimes accidentally I might hurt somebody, which means people are going to hurt me too. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one person in here as pure as a wind-driven snow. We all have things that we do against each other and, and, and it happens. We hurt each other and that's just the way that sin is. That's why we live in a fallen world and that's why Jesus came to save us. It's because this is going to happen. So we're going to do a lot of exercise today with the fingers. If you have a Bible, even if you have, have a phone, you're going to be punching a lot and you're going to be turning pages because we're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning. So very first verse we're going to go through is in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 19 Paul said a lot in Romans chapter 12. But there's one thing he says here that really applies to the situation. If you're going through trying to learn how to deal with people that have hurt you, the trauma that has happened to you in your past, this is what he says in verse 19. He says, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. This is great. This is really great because ultimately when we want revenge, we want, we want to right a wrong. We want justice. We want that sin to be taken care of. And guess what? We can't do that. We can't make that happen. What Paul is saying here is that Jesus is the one that is able to take care of that sin. Not me. I can't do it. But see, we want to take the onus on. We want to go ahead and, and have that revenge done on that person. We want to see justice done. We want to make it about us taking care of it. Because again, it makes us feel good when we can make that happen. But what God is saying here is, no, it's mine. No, I'm the one that will have that, that ability to take care of that. I am the one that will repay that situation, not you. And my question is, then how do we do that? How do we allow God to take it from us and allow him to vet out that, that revenge, if you will? We have to kill the flesh. We have to kill the flesh. Because like I said earlier, the desire of the flesh is to make sure that that revenge happens. To make sure that trauma that, we're, that we experience is paid back. To make sure justice is given out. And Paul in Romans says this in verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 13, he says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will what? Die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Because if I'm walking in the flesh, then what I am doing is going to cause me to die. Because if I walk by the flesh, then I'm going to want this vengeance to be carried out. I might do something that I shouldn't do. I might be do something that breaks the law. And then what's going to happen to my witness? What's going to happen to my walk with Jesus? What's going to happen to the plans and the purposes that he has for my life? They're going to die. Because I'm so wrapped around the axle with what happened to me and that person 
getting the justice they deserve. So we got to put to death the flesh. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, what? Gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Going on down to verse 22, he says, but the fruit of the spirit. So this is opposite of the flesh. The flesh is we want to gratify our needs, our desires, our revenge. But he says, but the fruit of the spirit is this, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have what? Crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. So when someone commits a sin against us and we want this revenge, we want people to get the justice they deserve, ultimately we feel that feeling and we want it to take place. It's the desire of the flesh. And the flesh is going to always oppose the spirit. And the spirit's always going to oppose the flesh. And the discipline that comes in as followers of Jesus is not to give in to that flesh, but to say, you know what, I feel this. I feel this desire. I want that person to pay. No matter how long ago it happened to me, I still want that person to pay. And instead of, of, of giving in to that, instead of holding on to that desire, which is a grudge, we give into, we should, into the Spirit. We should dive into the Holy Spirit. And it should be that love and that patience and that kindness, that joy, the things that are the fruit of the Spirit is what it is that we need to walk in. Not in revenge, not in giving out justice. So how do we kill the flesh? How do we just kill the flesh? This thing has happened to me. Things are still happening to me by other people. They're wronging me. They're, doing, they're saying things about me. Whatever it is that has been committed sinful against you by other people, then how is it that we kill that desire for revenge? How do we kill the desires of the flesh and do what we really ultimately want to do by the power of the Holy Spirit? It's one word. It's one word we hate. It's one word the devil hates. If, I'm gonna, if I say this word, those of you that are going through something right now, and you're having to learn how to deal with these people that have committed these sins against you, this word, you're going to hate me for saying it, it's forgive. It's forgive. We have to forgive those people. Well, yeah, Pastor Jeff, but you don't know how bad this thing was that that person did against me. No, you're right, I don't. And there ain't no way I could ever tell you I know how you feel, because I don't know how you feel. But I can tell you who knows how you feel, and that's Jesus. And what he's saying to you right now is forgive. That's how you kill the flesh. That's how you kill that desire for wanting that person to receive payback. As much as your flesh wants it, you make the decision that I'm going to forgive. There was something that happened a couple weeks ago. And believe me, I so badly want to go into the details of what happened. And I want to name the person, and I want to name the situation and tell you all about it, but I can't. But I'm going to tell you, it needled me for days. What happened to somebody on my staff? 
It needled me, needled me, needled me. I thought of ways that I could get revenge on that person. I thought of ways that we could do things to make that person uh, squirm because of the situation. And I thought about it and thought about it. And what God told me was, dude, forgive that person and move on because it's consuming too much of you right now. You got stuff that you need to focus on right now. And that, that, this ain't it. I'll take care of it. You just give it to me. And the way you do that is you forgive that person. Amen. And I'm like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I forgive that person. And then from that, as I'm starting to think about this morning and what I was going to say, God gave me some other marching orders I'm going to get into here in a minute that really just kind of blew my mind. But he says, forgive. We need to forgive. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. It's what Jesus said. He said, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know what he's saying here is how can you possibly understand the forgiveness that I'm going to buy and pay for you if you can't even understand how to forgive people yourself? That's what he's saying here. It's like there's no way you can understand my forgiveness of your sin if you do not understand how to forgive others of their sin. There's no way. He goes on in verse 21 of chapter 18. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said this. He says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. See, it's not the amount necessarily of how often we need to forgive somebody for sinning against us. But it's the hard attitude. Like if I'm walking in a harder forgiveness, it doesn't matter what somebody does to me. It doesn't matter how many times they do it against me. I understand what Jesus has done for me, a sinner, that I understand that I also need to forgive them. Now, let me tell you something. Just because I forgive somebody doesn't mean that the feelings of what I feel go away overnight, right? It doesn't happen immediately. Just because I forgive somebody doesn't mean necessarily that I'm going to stop feeling the way that I do about the situation. But it's a start. And that's what I'm going to talk about next week is how do we deal with the feelings of what has happened to us. But the place we need to start is forgiveness. It's a hard issue. And that's the thing is I feel something towards somebody because of what they did to me. And I got to search my heart about how I'm going to respond I'm going to have to allow the Holy Spirit, like what happened to me last week, to deal with me. And I have to understand that no matter what has been done to me, God sees it. He's purchased the forgiveness for that person. I have to understand that I need to forgive. So as I was meditating on what he told me about, hey, you need to forgive that person and let it go because it's consuming too much of you, I have mentioned in here, and I, am, I have no I beat a dead horse for this, and I am, I'm promising you this is not going to be the theme the rest of my time here as pastor, but I have told everybody in here for the most part that in, in my time of growing up, I was bullied. I was bullied all through grade school, and that has had a significant effect on me throughout my life. 
And as I was sitting there, God telling me I need to forgive that person who committed that sin towards somebody on my staff. He also said, oh, and this bullying thing that you bring up quite a bit and how it's affected you, you need to forgive those kids that have, that have bullied you. I had never, ever forgiven those people that bullied me through high school. Never. And I made the decision right then and there to forgive them as well. And this weight just absolutely lifted off of me. Like, I just feel like I have the confidence. That was what I was trying to say today after worship, that my confidence is obviously in Jesus, but that's who I receive my confidence from. It's not what happened to me in my past. It's not how those kids affected me that still carry into today. It's my confidence is in Jesus. And if I don't forgive them, then how am I ever going to walk in his confidence if I'm still holding on to that? And so by forgiving them, that like released their, their hold on me. Like those chains are no longer holding me back. And I feel more confident to move forward in the things that God has called me to do. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. The gospel requires it. If I'm going to go around and wear Jesus on my sleeve and praise Jesus that, praise Jesus this, and praise God for that, and praise God for this, and then somebody sees that I am unforgiving and that I'm not willing to forgive those that have, that have wronged me, then what does that say about the gospel? It's my witness. If somebody knows I'm holding a grudge, they may or may not ever come to Jesus because they may think that God holds a grudge. It's that thing called grace. And that is something that we need to walk in. So forgiveness is not an option. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus said this, he says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Man, that's powerful. Unforgiveness is also powerful as much as forgiveness is. Like, what does it do to my relationship with Jesus? If I go to him in prayer and, and I need something from him and I need to connect with him, but yet I have unforgiveness in my heart, there, there is there's almost like this sense of, hey, man, do you really know who I am? If you're unwilling to forgive that person, you know I've forgiven you, and believe me, you know what I've forgiven you for. So why is it you're coming to me in prayer and you're holding unforgiveness in your heart towards that person? Man, and I, I can hear you all, and there's some of you in here thinking, but you don't know what has happened to me. You have no idea what those, person, those people or that person has done Yes, I understand completely. I, I hear you, and God hears you. And this is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. He said, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Paul says, put on. It's a choice, it's not a feeling. It's a choice. 
Like if I start thinking about, believe me, I, it's crazy when trauma happens to you, things that have happened in your life that are traumatic, you know it's trauma because it happened years ago, yet you can see it almost like it would just happen, right? Like I remember the things that happened to me when I was growing up through the hands of kids. I can remember certain situations like this, they happened just five minutes ago. And I remember how it feels and it brings up those feelings, right? And, and then what Paul is saying, yeah, I know you feel those feelings, put on then, put on Christ. Put on Jesus. The whole, what would Jesus do? Forgive. Make that choice. There is power. Yes, there is power in the name of Jesus. We sung that this morning, right? And he gives you the power to make a choice. And when you choose to forgive, the power that the trauma has on your life now gets transformed to your power, meaning you now have power to give Forgiveness to those people, and that power no longer has a hold on you anymore. It's like you're regaining power back. It's like you're taking hold of what Jesus has given you, that forgiveness, and you are giving it to those people by making a choice. And all of a sudden, now you have power over that situation that once had power over you. That's powerful. (laughs) Why should we do this? Why should we kill the flesh? Why should we forgive people? Why should we allow God to have the vengeance and allow him to repay it? Well, because Jesus did. Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of kings, the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. This is Jesus, the son of God, who was mocked, who was beaten, who was crucified, This is somebody who suffered tremendously so that we could be forgiven. And he is leading the way as the people that have committed these things against him directly. He said to God, the Father, forgive them. That's why it it doesn't matter what's happened to us at the hands of other people. In some cases, they don't know what they're doing. They have no idea what they're doing. In a lot of cases, those people are unbelievers that have no idea what forgiveness is and have no idea the harm that they're committing against you. In a lot of cases, those same people also 
were like us. We were like them, deliberately hurting people. And what Jesus is saying here is he understands what it's like to have these things happen and he's telling us, forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus took the punishment for those people that wronged us as much as he took the punishment for us. We have to forgive. Galatians 2.20, this is the last verse if you want to turn there. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, it's the same thing as Paul saying, put on Christ. I'm also declaring that I am crucified with Christ. In other words, my flesh no longer has a hold on me. The desires of my flesh no longer control me. And if I'm putting on Christ, if I am crucified with Christ, then I am like him. Not that I am on the same level as him, okay? I am not God, but I'm like him. And as I walk through my life, my responsibility is to display him to others. And crucifixion is not an easy thing to go through, is it? Walking the life that Jesus has called us to and to be like him, to be the light of the world, the city set on the hill that cannot be hidden, hidden and, and displaying him to other people is not easy and requires sacrifice. It requires us to crucify our fleshly desires. It requires us to understand that the spirit that's in me is opposing the flesh that's outside of me. And I need to be able to throw down the flesh. And I need to be able to display Jesus in an accurate way. And that accurate way is forgiveness. I am not saying we dismiss the consequences of what people have done to us. There are still consequences, right? But what I am saying is we leave those consequences to God. And I forgive that person. I make that choice to forgive. key takeaway today is this. The process of letting go of our past trauma begins when we choose to forgive. That's where it starts. That's the beginning. And as you do that, as I was saying earlier, now we can begin to work on how I'm feeling. And in some cases, those feelings have nothing to do with what I can do I may have to talk to somebody about those things. I may, may need to have somebody who can lovingly help me out of those things and process through those things. But where it all begins is saying, I forgive, fill in the blank. It's to make that choice. And everybody, please stand. Make that choice today. I don't really feel like there are people that are here that are watching online as well that are having to make that choice right now. What I am saying to you is 
the power that that thing holds on to you right now can no longer hold on to you. If you just say, I forgive, fill in the blank. No more. Yeah, Pastor Jeff, but I just don't feel like it. I get it. I understand how that feels. But quit giving that situation power over your life. And give it to Jesus by saying, I forgive. Just like you have forgiven me, Lord, I forgive. Fill in the blank. If you're making that decision today to forgive, I want to see your hand. If you're making that decision today to forgive somebody that has wronged you, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Praise God. Praise God for making that decision today. He loves you. He sees you. He knows how you feel. And I'm going to tell you, he is smiling right now on you because you've made that decision. Because he made the same decision to forgive us.